Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack. Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. I'm Mary Vandenack, founder and CEO at Vandenack Weaver Trulson. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about tax issues, trusts and estates, business succession, exit planning, legal technology, law firm management, leadership, and well-being. First, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Carson Private Client, and Foster Group. Here's a message from Interactive Legal. There's always a resistance to change, particularly with attorneys. Attorneys like to look back at what's worked in the past, and that makes a lot of sense. But when you realize that with a good automated drafting system, you can do a better job for your clients, deliver documents on a more timely fashion, in a more consistent and in a more costly manner. If you're not a subscriber to Interactive Legal, I urge you to go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. And you'll be contacted about having a demonstration of interactive legal for you, which can be done right over the Internet. Don't have to leave your office. No salesperson will call. We can arrange it at a time inconvenient for you. So please go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. My guest today is Terrell Turner. Terrell is a CPA and co-founder of Fractional CFO. Terrell helps Simplify Accounting and Finance for Law Firms and Agencies. I asked Terrell to join us today to talk about what a law firm CFO should be doing. Welcome, Terrell. Thank you for having me. Well, for starters, can you fill us in a little bit on your background and how you started working for law firms? Yeah, so my background is probably like many people who went into accounting and studied it in school went to work for one of the big accounting firms, did that for a couple of years and did a lot of audit and realized I really didn't want to be an auditor. Um, it's one of those jobs where people really are not that excited to see you coming. Um, <laughs> so after doing that, I started working for a couple of corporations, uh, a couple of Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 corporations and really moved out of just auditing and telling people what they were doing wrong to then actually having to understand what was going on in the business and the numbers and then helping them actually make decisions 
so the business could be more effective, more efficient, and more profitable. And so I did that for years and decided to start my own firm and connected with a uh, an organization out of Seattle that does a lot of mentoring, coaching for law firms. And she was saying, hey, there are a lot of lawyers don't understand the financial side of their business. Can you help them? And so I started doing one-on-one coaching and consulting. And after working with about, you know, what, 17 of them, I realized a lot of you have some of the same problems. So we started really working with more and more lawyers now where we work with probably what 36 law firms now um, of really just helping them, you know, kind of simplify accounting and finance and how it actually relates to the decisions that they make. And do you have a size of law firm that's your sweet spot in providing support to? Yeah, so for most of our law firms, usually if the law firm is making doing more than 750000 in annual revenue, I would say up to about $12 million is kind of the size of the law firms that we tend to find are the sweet spot. Because once they get above kind of that $12 million, I'm talking to them about bringing in in-house finance support to, to be on the ground in the firm more regularly. Yes, this is a different level. And, and so the next question is, and I think, you know, my background is accounting and finance. So I kind of get the issue. That's why I really appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk about that, because I think it's such an important topic. But I was even having this conversation internally today with my own staff in terms of what we are looking for in terms of the financials. So there's, you know, sort of basic level of a bookkeeper, maybe somebody doing billing, which is a different function. There's a CPA, which is often outside the office, accountants. There's just a bunch of different roles in the financial firm. So can you clarify what those different roles are and what really maybe your forte is, what role you serve? Yeah. So, I mean, starting from the very probably basic level, you know, you have kind of like your clerks, like your your, your billing clerks that they're processing based on what, you know, the hours that your firm has worked, they're processing that. And then you kind of graduate into like your bookkeepers and your bookkeepers are really looking at all your financial transactions that have flowed through your bank. They're organizing it and putting it into different accounts. And then you kind of move into, let's say your controller or a CPA. They're the ones that are kind of looking at some of your advanced accounting things like you know, your trust accounting, if your firm is involved with doing trust accounts and they're making sure the accounting is happening correctly. And then they may also be looking at the tax side of supporting the firm from that aspect. And then when you think about a CFO, they're kind of looking, taking all of that and looking at the numbers and saying, okay, all right, how do the numbers impact the decisions that we need to make? For example, things like, what types of cases do we need to take in? And what types of cases do we need to spend more time on? And how can we drive more profitability for the firm? And then also thinking about things like your collection rates. Are we collecting from our, you know, our clients that we're doing work for? How does the cash out match the cash in? And how are we managing that? And so where my firm tends to play a big role is in the area of bookkeeping and CFO services. Because what we often find is, you know, you can't really do really good CFO work 
if the books aren't aren't right or if there isn't a financial statement that we have to work with then you really can't do good CFO work. So we do a lot of bookkeeping for firms of really going through reconciling bank accounts. And then we can layer in the analysis and start looking at things in their law firm practice management system to tell them, well, every time you do this type of case, the firm makes about X X amount of dollars. And then we can start looking and saying, well, How many of those cases do you have coming in? We can look at things like their marketing strategy to say, well, if you keep doing this, here's how much money the firm is going to make. Here's how many employees and what payroll we have to cover. Does this make sense? Or where do we need to shift our attention to really put the firm in the best position? So the CFO is, as I hear it, big picture. We're going to help look at the production of our different revenue producers and the expenses related to that production, because you can have lawyer one produce the same amount as lawyer two, but the overhead costs related to lawyer two could be substantially higher, so your profitability might not be the same. And that might not get be picked up by your daily bookkeeper who's just saying, oh, I got the same number in the total column for each of these particular attorneys. And then the CFO helps you figure out the why and how to improve that. Things like that, right? Or if we look at that, what I really liked hearing you say was talking about helping look at the profitability of certain types of cases. And another area I hear, and I, I don't know that I heard you say this, but I'm going to throw it out, is one of the ones I think is important is referral sources. Because we will look at and analyze our referral sources and say, you know, there's an assumption that somebody who sends you a certain type of work or a lot of work is your best referral source, but if you start really looking at the profitability, that's not always true. We found so you really got to have that data behind it, and that's where the CFO comes in of value. But let's say, you know, I'm just going to give you an example that I think fits in your forte and something, you know, that I've done a couple times, but let's just say that you have a group at a big law firm and they specialize in a certain practice area. And none of them maybe has the finance background, but they decide they're going to split off from big law and start their own boutique. So we have five attorneys and they leave. They create this boutique, whatever type of practice it might be. Let's say it's personal injury. Actually, they're usually pretty good at math. But whatever the case might be is that group goes and starts its boutique practice. What would be the most important financial role for them to fill on day one? On day one, I would definitely say a bookkeeper, um, because if they're focused on starting a practice, they really don't have time to manage the bookkeeping themselves. I mean, they need to be focused on bringing in new clients and actually working the cases. So if they were looking at, you know, finance roles, I would say a bookkeeper, because for the most part, you can probably get your bookkeeper to also handle the billing and some of those clerical things that need to happen. And if you set those processes up right, they can provide, you know, those five attorneys with the right reports that they need to know that, hey, all the work that we're doing, we're headed in the right direction. So let's say that this group of five attorneys breaks off, starts their firm, they find a qualified bookkeeper. But just for fun, we'll say that none of these particular attorneys are business heads And so they've hired this bookkeeper, but they really don't know how to say, okay, well, we need to have what? So we need to have what bookkeeping system can we use? Is that where like your services, you can come in and provide 
part-time support on that type of thing, correct? So somebody could reach out to a temporary CFO or a fractional CFO and get some help with, we need some oversight to help get this bookkeeper on track and setting up the structure if we're using QuickBooks Grade, if we're using a practice management system, but we need to know how to set the accounting system up so when it goes to accountant, and maybe the accountant can set that up, but is that something that a, a CFO could come in and do on a fractional or hourly type basis? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and there are some firms that we've done that for where they already have a bookkeeper and they hire us to kind of help lay out, here's the here's the financial control game plan. And to really say, okay, all right, here's what you need your bookkeeper to do. Here's some of the type of reporting that your bookkeeper will need to provide. And even sometimes we've hopped on a call with their bookkeeper and we'll walk through it with their bookkeeper. And oftentimes when we do this with the firm, the bookkeeper is like, you know what, I'm glad that, you know, that you did this because no one's ever showed me this type of stuff before. Because for some of the smaller firms, we find that they could get what they need from their bookkeeper. But like you said, they don't know what to tell their bookkeeper. So sometimes they hire us on a fractional basis. We come in and we kind of help them lay out the system to say, here's what your bookkeeper is going to do. Here's the type of information your bookkeeper is going to provide to you on a regular basis. And here's how you need to start thinking about it to impact your decisions. And as your firm starts to grow, you start getting north of you know, 750000 close to a million in annual revenue, then we probably should revisit this because that's where we probably need to start looking at more detailed analysis to really help you kind of guide the next level of decision making. And I want to go with what you just finished with, but I do want to back up and ask a question because I heard you say the word of controls. And that's part of the reason I asked you the question, because you hire a bookkeeper and let's say you have five attorneys and none of them are the business heads was my hypothetical. And so it's one of the basic things is that if you have this bookkeeper who's handling all your cash, all your deposits, all your billing, all of that, what are the basic controls that should be? And is that something that can be implemented by bringing in a fractional CFO and saying, hey, let's at least make sure you have some controls in place. And if you're to say, what would be the top three? Because I know that's probably a whole separate podcast. But I just wanted to ask that question while you brought up controls. Because to me, if it's just a solo or a small group and they brought in a bookkeeper, a lot of times what I see, and I'd be the one on the legal end who's cleaning up that mess, right? So I feel I'm pretty passionate about controls in the accounting system. So if you said, here's one, two, and three that you need to make sure happen, what would those be? Yeah. So the first one is definitely going to be on cash and being able to have some type of regular reporting on where the cash balances are. And if you're a firm that has retainer accounts, or you have trust balances, like it is very, very important for you to know that the cash in the trust account matches the balance that it should be based on the trust balances of your clients. So you want to make sure you have proper cash reporting of what is in your operating account, what is in your trust account, who is related to. Um, and then you also want to have some type of cadence to that, that reporting because 
one of the areas that a lot of business owners, whether you're a law firm or any other type of business is, is if you don't know how much cash you have in your business, you're probably going to make some wrong decisions. Or unfortunately, you could have someone embezzling cash because you have no idea what's there. And so I definitely think cash reporting is one. Um, one of the ones to an accountant or a bookkeeper, this seems obvious, but I've had to work with several firms to tell them is we need to make sure that all of your business bank accounts are actually connected to your accounting system because you want to make sure that you're able to reconcile all the financial transactions, no matter what account they're coming from. We need some type of reconciliation for it to where when your bookkeeper looks at your financial statements, they can say, okay, yes, we have all your bank accounts. Here's what's going on in all of your bank accounts. So you get that reporting. And then I would say the third one, and this one is very critical, is when it comes down to your invoices or your accounts receivable, is having some type of process where your bookkeeper or an admin, someone can report out to say, here are the invoices that we sent out. Here are the people that have paid their invoices. Here are the invoices that are still outstanding. So we need to have a process to follow up with these people to get them to pay because if they don't pay their invoices, you won't have the cash in your firm to cover your expenses. And if you can't cover your expenses, then you're going to have a whole nother problem that is not related to serving your clients that you really could have avoided had you had some type of controls over your invoicing and accounts receivable. And so as painful as it is, if you're not a financial or business person, but if you're a lawyer who's created your own firm, getting those controls in place, because you kind of just want to go do what you like doing best, which is practicing law. But at some level, you have to pay attention and make sure you have that process in order. Well, let's say that you have uh, the group of this, we'll just stay with this firm of five lawyers that started and they've got a bookkeeper in place and they brought somebody in, they feel pretty good about what's going on. But now they're, you know, maybe looking at, do we add some people? Where are we doing the best? What questions are they asking? Like maybe they don't even know what the term CFO is just for fun. We'll say that and say, what type of questions might they be asking at their partner meetings that should lead them down the path to, oh, what we need is a CFO. So but if, the, if they don't know what that is, what questions are they asking themselves that, if they hear this podcast and say, oh, we're asking those questions, it must be a CFO that we should be looking into. That's what I'm trying to get at here. So we're having our member meeting. What are we talking about? And you're like, wow, you guys really need a CFO. <laughs> Absolutely. And I almost feel like we should probably name this five-person firm since we're sticking with it. <laughs> I'll change it in a minute on you. <laughs> or you can name it. <laughs> I was trying, I was being careful because it might be a real name and they might like. <laughs> but we'll say the five person firm. So okay, the there you person go. law firm. <laughs> um, so some of the questions that, that I would definitely, you know, start to really think about a CFO is they're asking questions about, okay, all right, do we have enough money to bring on more associates or more paralegals? Because that's where you're kind of looking at your cash flow because you may have a ton of cases and it's like, well, there's more casework than the five people can handle. 
we need to hire more people. Well, what you don't want to do is make a commitment to hire a paralegal or hire associates and then not have the cash to be able to make payroll. So if you're thinking about expanding and growing, um, that's definitely one. And I think another one is when you start asking yourself is, you know, financially, what type of practice areas or what types of cases are actually the best that we should focus on? Because if you're just thinking about it from doing the legal work, sometimes you tend to lean to the cases that you just enjoy doing. And that's been a common one that with a lot of firms that I've met that they do a lot of whether it's, you know, child protective custody cases. And when one firm I was working with, they were doing a lot of that. And they were like, well, we don't understand why we keep running into cash problems in our firm. And that's where we started looking at the profitability of that. And we realized, well, that's because you don't make that much money on these types of cases. So then we started coming up with strategies on, you know, what other types of casework they could do to make sure that they can have sufficient cash and sufficient profit flowing through the business. And like I said, I also think that if you're starting to think about things like, well, we want to expand to open up a second office. Well, there's a whole nother level of cash flow concerns that you got to think about. There is, can you actually afford to do that? And those are the type of questions that I think really trigger, like, you need a CFO to really look at these to help you kind of navigate those. And so the other thing I'm thinking about is like when they're looking at adding another associate, adding a paralegal, we're also looking at those profitability of practice areas. We're seeing this trend in the legal industry. Finally, it's taken a long time to catch up where there's what I call, I call them alternative fees rather than flat fees because um, I, you know, what we use is process-based billing a lot of times rather than flat fees. But what I see, Tara, a lot of times is people will do, and it is hard in our business because you're spending your day justifying yourself in one-tenth of an hour increments, right? And that's a really difficult thing to like, wow, you know, I really have to justify this one-tenth of an hour that I wrote up to this client and it gets exhausting. So there's a kind of major hatred on the part of lawyers with the billable hour. So I see some will switch to flat fees and stop tracking their time, but I'm not clear. Like we do alternative fees and we still require everybody to track their time so that we can really identify the total cost. Like if I put two hours into it and I had a legal assistant put two hours into it and we had to buy something specific to this project, I want to know the full cost to figure out whether that's actually profitable. So we still have people tracking, but I'm just tracking all the times and costs. I'm wondering if we're like overkill and if you have any thoughts on a better way to do that or just really looking at profitability of alternative fees. And again, I know I'm asking the question that's a whole podcast, so feel free to just kind of you know give whatever short answer on that that you might have. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the very straightforward answer is I think you're doing the right thing because, you know, as you start to look at alternative fee structures, one of the things that people tend to do is, well, it's easier just to charge a flat fee or to not do hourly. So we, they just totally stop tracking the hourly. But what you start to lose is visibility to how profitable is this type of work versus that type of work? Because as you grow and you manage your firm, you do have to make decisions about 
are we going to spend marketing dollars to attract this type of case or that type of case? So I think short answer is you're doing the right thing of even though you're not billing by the hour, but still tracking the hour so that you can get a more complete picture of what is the most productive use of our time and our money. And, and I think also as you start to track those hours, it helps you understand are you actually pricing your services properly? Because I've seen a lot of firms that go to like a flat fee or some alternative price structure and they just stop tracking their hours. And we did a project with them and we said, okay, all right, we're going to track the hours for the next couple of months. And when we started retracking their hours, we started realizing the prices that they had set for their casework and their processes were actually lower than the cost that it was taking them to do the work. So we're like, you've been losing money and had no way of catching it because you completely stopped tracking hours. And that's what my thought, I thought as long as we're in the business where even if we use alternative fees, which I think is useful to the consumers, I just don't know how we cost without it. So I appreciate your thoughts on that. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors. If you had a dollar for every financial advisor that just wanted your money, your financial future would already be secure. At Foster Group, our team is different. One whose focus is on you and your dreams. Together, we'll create a strategy that helps you get there, wherever there is for you. Foster Group, your financial life truly cared for. Connect with us at fostergrp.com. Foster Group's written disclosure brochure, as set forth in Part 2A of Form ADV, discusses advisory services and fees, is available at www.fostergrp.com. Okay, let's continue our episode. Well, let's say that you're the law firm and you have a bookkeeper in place and you have an outside CPA, but you're starting to ask these questions about are these flat fees we're charging profitable? Do we need another associate? What are our best practice areas? And you realize that you want to develop a relationship with a CFO and bring somebody in, whether part-time or full-time, depending on where you are, to work with you know, your lawyers and to work with your bookkeeper and CPA because they're going to be looking at the reports and we want that to be a team process. How do you bring that crew together in a way that's positive and productive? Yeah, that was always a tricky one because, you know, I, I've been involved with some firms where they had a bookkeeper, they had a CPA, and when they brought up the idea of bringing in a CFO, one of those two people started pushing back. And the way that I usually pose it to firms, like, you know, you got to understand the nature of your relationship with the C CPA and the bookkeeper at first is realize that they work for the firm. Like their job is to do what is in the best interest of the firm. And sometimes it may just be a matter of the questions that you're trying to navigate is really just asking them, Hey, we're trying to figure out profitability by practice area, or we're trying to figure out cash flow for hiring can you answer that question? And if they can't ask, answer the question, then it's almost like they can't really argue with the idea of you bringing in a CFO because they can't answer the question. So you got to get the answer. You got to get the answer from someone. So when you start to bring a CFO in, 
I think of also communicating to that bookkeeper and the CPA is they're not here to replace you. They're here to fill in the gaps for these types of questions that we are asking and we're considering. And, and I think when the CFO comes into the picture with that understanding is here are the gaps that I'm filling on the, you know, say the collective finance team. I think you start to get a much more collaboration between those three different roles. And sometimes what you'll find is that the CFO is only there temporarily because the CFO can then probably train the bookkeeper with, hey, these are the regular reports you need to provide based on that bookkeeper skill set. They may be able to do some of the things. They just didn't have the skill set to figure it out from scratch on their own. And sometimes in my experience, it's actually getting the attorneys to look at the reports <laughs> and understand. Well, I think they all understand if they look at them, but just getting them to take the time to really look at them and think about them. So in terms of like getting that working relationship to be a positive experience, the other part would be finding the right CFO. So if you're looking for that CFO and it's a tough recruiting environment across the country right now, how do you go about finding one? And what questions do you ask somebody when you get an application or somebody that might come in either temporarily or full-time? What's a good fit? Yeah, one of the things that I always, I like is just giving people some real-world scenarios. And, of course, you know, you, you don't want to disclose, you know, non-public information or, or privileged information about your firm, but you know, at the CFO level, you have to think that that person is going to have to interact with the members of the leadership team. Or if you're a smaller firm, they're going to have to interact with the owners or the lead partners of the firm. And, and I think you can start to learn a lot from them just by asking questions like, hey, here's a scenario. If a firm is trying to, you know, trying to expand or trying to bring in, you know, new associates, what are some of the top things that you, where, how would you approach helping that firm? And I think what you can then start to do is see, do you, do you even trust their perspective or do they even think through the answer that they're giving you? And also really looking at their personality. Is this a person that you would want to take advice from? Because that is one of the big roadblocks that happens with a CFO and a firm is, they hire a CFO to bring them in and they don't actually get along with the CFO. So the CFO is bringing forward ideas, but if you don't like them, then you're not willing to take advice from them. Then there's no reason for you to keep paying them. So I always definitely look at it as the CFO role is going to be less of a technical detail role, but more of a partnership and a collaboration. So you want to know that, can I trust their way of thinking about how they approach solving problems? And is this a person I, I can get along with to take advice from? And those are type of things that you can find out by just having a, a 15 minute or, or, or sitting down, grabbing a coffee or having lunch or hopping on the Zoom with them before you invest a ton of time in trying to interview and make offers to people. I think that's really important. And the person that's a great CFO for one group might not be a great CFO for another just because of the way relationships work. So I always kind of believe that there's some time and investigation. We've had you know, people that we hired with great resumes 
who just weren't a good fit for us. And so you can have a great resume that if you don't have that relationship, whatever the basis of that might be, it, it just makes it kind of challenging. So I think the for the CFO, because it's about they're helping you, you might have a clear vision or they might be helping you create the vision. And that really matters because it's a big picture related to the firm. So that's just in my mind, really important. Well, Terrell, do you have any last thoughts as we come to the end of today's episode? Yeah, I would definitely say, I mean, when it comes down to the CFO role, knowing that they are there to help the, you know, the firm either develop or execute on the overall strategy. So one of the things that you also want to make sure is, do they actually care about what you're trying to accomplish as a firm? Because if they don't care about where your firm is going and for them, it's just another job then they might not be the best partner to help you navigate the strategy and to help you navigate the real life growing pains of a growing and a successful firm. So definitely you want to approach and realize that at the CFO level, I'm bringing on someone that I can see as a partner to help me and the firm navigate the road that's ahead. And if I don't like them or if they don't care about where we're going, they might not be the best partner to go down this road with. And personally, I want to see great analytical ability and understanding of the industry and the ability really, like you've talked about a few times, being able to evaluate the profitability of different areas. Because I think sometimes we don't want to look at, we like doing Project X. And so we just keep doing it, even though maybe it's not the best thing. Well, as we reach the end of our episode, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Carson Private Client, and Foster Group. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for our weekly releases. Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast does not create an attorney client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have. Ahura Media Production.